2: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for
3: everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
4: What's up, everybody? Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live. It's a Tuesday, January 24th edition. We're streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, as well as, of course, DailyFaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder Mike McKenna, current Daily Faceoff analyst. I'm Frank Saravali. Mike, how you doing?
5: Hey, I'm doing great, Frank. It's been a good morning. How about yourself?
4: Yeah, it's uh, been a a sort of busy morning uh, and some somber news to share off the hop. The Ottawa Senators announced earlier this morning that their assistant coach, Bob Jones, uh, has been diagnosed with ALS. He's going to continue coaching for the time being and just some really sad news. As you see the uh, statement from Commissioner Gary Bettman, It's, um, it's tough news to share for everyone and I think everyone's just thinking of uh, the Jones family at this time. It's somber because we know that ALS is fatal and there's no way around it. And so tough news to swallow for everyone in the hockey world.
5: Yeah, Yeah, that's something you never want to hear. And we've all been faced with it at some point, it feels like, throughout the hockey world. And, of course, you're thinking about friends and family that have faced ALS and the strides that have been made with it. And thinking about the Senators organization, everybody involved this time.
4: Yeah, DJ Smith as well, their coach, has spent a long time with Bob Jones dating back Mm -hmm. to Windsor and has been on his staff for these last four seasons, a really well-liked guy in the Ottawa Senators organization. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's talk a little bit of a happier subject, and that is Johnny Gaudreau returning to Calgary. I think a lot of people were uncertain as to what kind of reaction Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey, would get coming back to Calgary based on the way that he left. What'd you make of his return? Another two-point night for Johnny Hockey. But um in this case, the Flames end up getting the OT
5: win. Well, as for the on-the-ice play, I mean, Johnny Goudreau looked like Johnny Goudreau, right? Like throwing sauce passes all across the offensive zone. He had the first one to Marchenko and the second to Line A that both resulted in goals. So um he did his thing. He nearly tied the or nearly had uh a tip in late in the third period to take his team ahead. And it didn't, able wasn't able to come to fruition as they dropped it to the Flames in OT. But, um, you know, Frank, I thought that the tribute obviously was really well done and the Flames did a good job of highlighting what Goudreau did on and off the ice in the community. Uh, And I love that the fans cheered him at the end of the tribute video. There weren't many boos that, but I tell you what, dude, it's amazing. Yeah. And, but the amazing part is how quickly that switch flipped, right? As soon as the puck dropped, the first time he touched the puck, just raining boos. And then he gets a penalty shot five minutes into the first period, misses the penalty shot as he's getting booed the whole way down the ice, and they cheer like crazy. So um, I think it was a little bit of both. It was a warm welcome uh, by the Flames fans, and then they got their chance to give it to him. And, um, you know, tough game for the Jackets, though, and and another one that the Flames managed to eke out a and point, two points, that is, in, in extra innings.
4: Yeah. And look, I I think maybe that's the way that it should be. You recognize the time that he had, and that means that you can still be discontented with the way that he left. And I can tell you this, having been really close to the story covering it, that there was a a period of time in the afternoon uh, just before free agency where the Flames themselves thought they were getting Johnny Gaudreau back. And I think Johnny Gaudreau thought he was signing with the Flames, that they, I think, had Mm -hmm. the best offer on the table. And... I was told Johnny Gaudreau went for a car ride with his wife just to kind of talk it out and hash it out. And it was at that point in time that he just said, you know what? I can't do it. I need to be closer to home. I think we're all still kind of scratching our heads that that place ended up being Columbus. But he kind of explained it. Look, I have a growing family. Now that I'm in Columbus, I can't tell you how many times I come home from the rink and my dad just pops by. And it's not super close from Uh, Pittsburgh, or sorry, from Philly to uh, Columbus, but close enough that you can drive and make that trip. And so I think you watch the on ice portion of Columbus and you see how their season has devolved and you say, maybe it makes even less sense for Johnny Gaudreau, but he seems to be pretty comfortable and maybe that's all that matters.
5: It is. Yeah. You got to make a decision with your gut. He made that. And hey, I love Columbus. I've been trumpeting Columbus as a good city for a long time. I think he sees that aspect as a family and Frank, they have only one place to go, and that's Up, if you ask me, and he would be a big part of it.
4: It's The problem is it's 20-plus years of Up, and it's the most one of the most anonymous franchises in pro sports. So, yeah, I think from that perspective, a lot of people still wonder. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Jack Hughes and his ridiculously hot run uh, with the New Jersey Devils. He's got 10 goals in his last 10 games, as the New Jersey Devils, after a bit of a swoon, have found their footing again, and have certainly stabilized themselves in the Metropolitan Division race. They're in a spot where uh, they're probably pretty comfortably a playoff team, can reevaluate their trade deadline position. The major question I have for you with, with Hughes is, has with his season yet again, following up on the year that he had last year, 58 points now in 46 games played, has already hit 30 goals, has he reached superstar status yet?
5: Well, it better have. I mean, I'm just not sure if everybody realizes it yet, Frank. And part of that's playing in New Jersey, which, you know, you talked about Columbus being an anonymous market. Well, Jersey flies under the radar as well. The team hasn't been good for a long time. And, you know, they, they take a back seat to the Rangers and the Islanders. I've played there before, I know what it's like. But think about Hughes, man. He's ninth in league scoring, he's sixth in goals. He's already tucked 30 in, and only six have been on the power play. So like what Hughes does five on five with the puck and really drive play for the Devils, he's 12 points ahead of Jesper Brad, who's second on the team at scoring, okay? That shows how good he is five on five. The puck is on his blade um, and he's a finisher, like he can bury, but let's look at it this way. Kirill Kaprizov, is he a superstar for the Minnesota Wild? Absolutely he is. Well, Hughes's numbers are favorable to Kaprizov's this year in some ways. I mean, Hughes shoots the puck well, He's fast, he's slippery, but there's no big one-timers. He doesn't really have unbelievable hands that show at all times. He just plays smart, smooth hockey that leads to goals. So I don't think he's he's optically as much of a superstar as some players, but the way that he controls and the points that he's producing, well, dude, like think about if you're Ovechkin or Stamkos, you're clapping one-timers and everybody goes, wow, this guy's a superstar. Look what he does special. Even Tage Thompson now, who's kind of reached that spectrum, he stick handles around everybody and goes and scores, whereas Hughes beats people with his speed more often. One quick move and it's in the net. So I think it's a combo of kind of how he puts his points up and also being in Jersey that he just hasn't gotten the accolades and like reached that superstardom level amongst the fan base.
4: Well, he should because that's, to your point, yeah, the way should. that he's played. And by the way, that contract is looking pretty darn good for the New Jersey Devils. A lot of people were wondering why did you sign him to that deal that soon but I think you watch this season and you see why, because he's already exceeding that type of production, uh, warranting an $8 million salary. But is there anything to do with his frame? And, and this isn't a knock on him, but I feel like a lot of people watch Jack Hughes, and I've heard this comment from executives around the league, which is, I love watching Jack Hughes play, but I always feel like he's one hit away from being out for a long time.
5: Yeah, They probably said the same thing about Gretzky, didn't they, Frank? So, I mean, I kind of have the same worry at times, but this year he's been solid. He's been able to be in the lineup like he needs to, and he's, he's he's producing, man. Simple as that.
4: Yeah, let's talk about the Florida Panthers because they're a team that has gotten their act together here in the first couple weeks in January, and they're a team that three points back of the final wildcard spot, they've got a bunch of teams to climb over, uh, a bunch of work to do. But when you look at the Panthers, the pieces that they have assembled – Are they a team that's capable of catching the Pittsburgh Penguins and or the Washington Capitals?
5: that's a tough call. And and also, especially because the Florida Panthers have already played 59 or 49 games, Frank, that's as many as any team in the NHL. Now they do have something of a favorable schedule going down the stretch. They have one really hellish road trip. That's going to be Minnesota, St. Louis, Washington, Nashville. But aside from that, they have 20 home games. So even if the schedule's busy in March, that's good for them. I just wonder though, if this club is going to have the defense to do it, they can score. And I mean, since January 1st, they got 15 points in 12 games. Their power play's clicking along at 42%, which is the best in the NHL. But before January, January 1st, it was only at 19%. So really, they're just scoring more. Defensively, they haven't been great. Uh, but Barrowski's out probably another couple days, maybe a week with injury. Knight is back from a conditioning stint uh, to play goal for the Florida Panthers. So I think goaltending's a question mark. I think D, man, they could really use Um, one or two pieces to round out that back end and help stabilize it because they still, in my eyes, can't defend well enough to truly reach that level for the Stanley Cup playoffs this year.
4: So if you're Bill Zito then, and I'm going to put you in the GM's chair, and you say that the defense, and I agree with you, is probably not strong enough top to bottom to be a playoff team, let alone a contender, do you go out and bolster that? Or at this point in the season, given the ground needed to cover, is that throwing good money after bad?
5: Well, I think if you could accomplish two things at once, it would be good because the salary cap crunch in Florida is pretty real. You know, you've got Horncliffe, Duclair, they're both out now, but those are both players that I think would be uh, pretty attractive for clubs. You've also got even, let's say, Sam Bennett, right? Like, they're pretty strong down the middle in Florida. If you're trying to improve your defensive core, I think they do have some pieces that they could utilize to make it. And I I, I don't think anybody's in business to miss the playoffs, Frank, if you ask me. And I think if you're Bill Zito, you got to try to do everything you can to get your club uh, as close to where they were last year and try to get them in the Stanley Cup playoff hunt.
4: Yeah, Sam Bennett, by the way, leaving Monday night's game, going awkwardly into the boards after getting tangled up with Philip Hedel from the New York Rangers at the Garden. He needed help getting off the ice. No word yet on his injury. By the way, no, since we were just talking previously uh, about some injuries, no word yet on Uh, Tanev and the Calgary Flames and what's happening there. They're waiting on word from their doctors. So a couple injuries to keep an eye on. By the way, the St. Louis Blues have activated Vladimir Tarasenko, so he'll be back uh, soon as well off the injured reserve. So uh, let's talk hockey trades because I think the social media sphere was bubbling on Monday night. They took a look at the press box seating chart, and they noticed that a couple of NHL general managers were in Uh, Calgary at the Saddle Dome for that Flames and Blue Jackets game with Johnny Gaudreau making his homecoming. Kelly McCrimmon of the Vegas Golden Knights was there. Doug Armstrong, the GM of the St. Louis Blues, was there, along with Scott Mellenby, their uh, senior advisor to the GM. And so uh, a lot of people instantly wondering, what does this mean? Well, I can tell you that for the most part, it just means that there's a top prospects game in Vancouver, and this was an easy stop along the way. But more <laughs> to the point, clearly, um, this is there's, there will be traction and things heating up. And we're always so focused, Mike, on the rental market and some pieces that could be moving in that direction. But I'm going to throw a couple teams at you in terms of teams that could be making hockey trades, meaning a, a straight-up classic uh, guys that have term on their contract for another guy that has term on his contract. I'm going to throw a few teams at you. Which one stands out to you as one in most in need of one to shake things up? So I'm going to go Ottawa Senators, New York Islanders, the Florida Panthers for reasons that we just talked about. What about the Calgary Flames or the Pittsburgh Penguins? Teams that are potentially capped out and don't have a ton of wiggle room and or assets to make something happen, but would like to do something. Which one is in need?
5: Well, you know, out of those clubs, I think probably Calgary is the one that I think um, in my eyes could use a little bit of help really kind of across the board forward and D could be stabilized. Missing Shillington all year has hurt that club. Um, You look at somebody like Mangiapane who's not performing up to his expectation at the cap, but you probably can't move that contract. You know, if you're going to shake something up to try to get it going in Calgary, um, I think there's contracts that could move, you know, I mean, even Backlund or Dubay, do you do something a little bit drastic and moving someone, um, Pittsburgh, I think it's more or less just based on being Burke and Hextall's MO is that they're willing to make those trades that are hockey trades. You look at Matheson for Petrie, essentially this summer, Marino for Ty Smith with the Devils again. Um, I think they'd like to move on from Pedersen if it's that $4 million deal. So I, I think that those are the two clubs, um, to me, I think Calgary can probably do more when I look at their, at their contracts. Um, but i also look at the islanders frank that's a team i think could really use some surgery as well so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that team
4: yeah i mean that's i think the islanders for sure but the team that stands out for me is the ottawa senators like they've sort of been mired in this rut mm-hmm. uh they need to get out they've dealt with key injuries they've got an opportunity to maybe shake a player or two loose uh even one that you could potentially resign what do you do with Alex to there's lots of question marks facing the Sens, and they're a team that I think you know can ill afford to languish yet another year. But the thing with hockey trades is that the probably the time that it makes most sense to do it is in the summer and to not pull the trigger before March 3rd. Not really much incentive to do so when you could be playing with a much fuller deck from that perspective in teams that you could engage in conversation with once the offseason begins. Let's continue our trade deadline countdown series and let's bring in Jason Greger for talk about the Edmonton Oilers, our focus today on dailyfaceoff.com with our trade deadline playbook.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes
1: until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
4: That's right. Pleased to be joined by Jason Greger of the DFO Rundown, my co host on the podcast for some. Trade deadline countdown talk. As I mentioned, we're focusing on the Edmonton Oilers today with our trade deadline playbook on dailyfaceoff.com for this edition of the All 32, which is delivered by our friends at Montana's. Jason, the Oilers are holding their pro scouting meetings as we speak in Vegas this week. And I think everyone's curious to know what direction the Oilers are going to go in after this. And I ask you, and it makes it so interesting because I believe that the Oilers themselves do not know the answer to this question as to what exactly is their top priority. So, what is it in your mind? Is it getting a strong defender to add to the mix and maybe take a little bit of heat off of someone like Darnell Nurse? Or is it maybe up front and adding a forward that can win you faceoffs, kill penalties, maybe be uh, someone that can supplement your team at special teams? Where do you land?
3: Well, I, I think they're number one priority still, even though, you know, since Christmas they're fourth best in goals against as a team, they've, they've really improved. They've, that was the area they had to improve, but I still think it's a defender. Uh, you know, Bouchard and Broberg have been really good as a pair, but they played very sheltered minutes. They've played legit third pair minutes, which is fine. Uh, I, I think in an ideal world that they would add another defenseman, but I don't know if it's to the point of the asking price. Like, Florida overpaid for Ben Sherrod. I don't think anyone debates that. And if that's the the set line in the sand, I don't think Edmonton jumps in on it. I've been reading, you know, Frank and talking to other guys in regards to your reports on, you know, Gavrikov and others. And they're good players, but I don't think the style of player that Edmonton needs is, you know, is it just a solid defender? But to find a solid defender who's also a really good puck mover, well, that's hard, right? Gavrikov's a really good defender, but he's not a great puck mover. And in today's NHL, you kind of need both. So the asking price, I think, might be too high for Edmonton. It's a risk because, you know, you're in the window of McDavid and And You could argue to be in that window for 10 years if you re-sign them. So, you know, it's not it's a rush, but it's not like an urgent rush, I don't think. So I still think it's a defender, and then they need a right shot forward who can take some faceoffs. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-time centerman, but a right shot who's, who's at least a decent centerman. I, I think that's what they, they could use uh, defensively, maybe on the penalty kill, but also at key draws in the defensive zone.
5: Yeah, and so, I mean, if the, if the Oilers are going to go out and trade for a defenseman, it, there's plenty available, it seems like, leading up to the market, but maybe not that many that are exciting. So, Jason, do you see somebody who might be a close stylistic fit for them You know, some of the things you just mentioned, all that going into it. Do do they need a big defender? Do they need somebody who can move the puck? What do you think on this?
3: Well, I I think they need a combination of both, which is hard to find, right? Like they, you know, you mentioned take some minutes off of Darnell Nurse. Well, Darnell Nurse last year down the stretch was unreal for Edmonton when he basically didn't play on the power play. And they said, you're going to play all the tough minutes. He played 50% of his ice time against elite forwards from PuckIQ.com. And he was excellent at it. He only was on the ice for three goals again. So I think Nurse has shown he can be that guy if, if people don't expect him to put up huge offensive numbers because um, he never is on the power play. But had it, like can Brett Kulak do it consistently? I, I thought him and Barry were really good last year in the playoffs. They didn't really have a second pair. They kind of had a second and a third. They basically split the minutes between Bouchard and, and Keith and then uh, Kulak and Barry. And the problem is they don't they haven't replaced Duncan Keith. He has all the experience, and Broberg's a really good defenseman who I think is going to be good, but can he be Duncan Keith good in the postseason? That's a pretty big ask. So I think a veteran player who just calms it down, just makes steady plays. Doesn't have to be flashy, but he has to be able to move the puck because in today's NHL, like the the orders in transition are one of the most dangerous teams in the league. All the defenseman has to do is get the puck to the forwards, and then they can make him pay. So, Jason, I
4: think one thing the Oilers have to be concerned about here, whatever move they make, there's likely going to be a trickle down effect or a ripple effect in their lineup, specifically with regards to some young players. If you're trading for someone what, up front, what does that do and how does it impact Dylan Holloway, for instance, on the back end? What does that do in terms of disrupting whatever growth we've seen from And so as the Oilers have found their footing here this season and have played much better of late, does the play from these guys sort of give you any pause as to the necessary need to go out and and make an addition?
3: Well, right now, if I look at the guy who would be impacted by – the right shot. I don't think it's Holloway, to be honest. I, I think it would be Derek Reiner. Yes, a pull Yarby. So, you know, I think Holloway, he's continued to get better in, in basically essentially fourth line minutes, although Edmonton runs 11 forwards, So lately, while he's not playing a lot of minutes, he is playing with the top six forwards in those minutes because whether it's dry, subtle, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, or McDavid, they rotate down and get to play with Holloway and that's really helped him. So, you know, and that's the other thing for Edmonton. If they opt to go with 11 and seven guys, you know, then it's, you don't even have to necessarily impact Broberg. Maybe he plays less minutes, but he still gets he still gets playing time. And I think that's going to be the interesting one for the Orders is they can say, well, we can go eleven and seven, and we add that veteran. And yeah, Broberg still gets some playoff experience, but he just gets sheltered playoff experience, right? Because right now they brought in Vinny DeHarnay. Now he's twenty six, but he's a rookie in the NHL and he's been a great success story. And I think he'll be someone that they want next year. But if you had to have him sit in the press box in the playoffs or even Broberg for the odd game, but they get some experience, I think that would be the ideal situation. But I don't think it's going to impact Holloway, guys, because I think it's a right shot. And uh, that's going to be either Pulyarvi or Ryan who are impacted.
4: Yeah, and if you're trading for someone cap-wise, you're probably going to need to move out someone like Pulleyarvey. In order to make it happen anyway so um, no real impact there uh, thanks to jason gregor for joining us today for this week's edition of the all 32 as we continue our trade deadline countdown season you can listen to jason and me on the dfo rundown we chop it up every monday and friday wherever you get your podcasts and this week's all 32 has been delivered by our friends at montana's montana's is bringing back the viewing party this year with their lineup of daily deals Today's Tuesday, that means $5 tacos. Head over to montanas.ca for the full lineup and to check out their delicious new comfort menu. Thanks, Jason. Anytime, boys. All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. Hit us up on Twitter. We will be happy to answer your questions. And the big one is this. From a Toronto Maple Leafs perspective, William Nylander's next contract
5: starts with an AAV of? A nine. Not a 10, a nine, I think. You know, I, I just can't see any world that he goes less than that. You know, you look at some of the contracts that are out there for wingers, Ranton at 9.25, Kachuk, 9.5, Stone, 9.5. I really look at Philip Forsberg at 8.5 as kind of a benchmark and up from there. I think Melander's a little better player. He might put 90 points up this year at 40 goals. So he was on fire last night, two goals to assist. I think it starts with nine and it's going to be higher than that, Frank. What about you?
4: Yeah, I think it's an easy 10. Um, 10 I believe that's be the case. Yeah, a 10. Yeah, full full 10. Um, William Nylander, the fact is this. um, A, you could make the argument that he's been the Leafs' best player this season. And B, he's one of the few and rare play-driving wingers in the NHL. He's capable of doing that on his own, and I think that's a really unique and special quality. Um, And just look at the point production. It speaks for itself. 26 goals, as you said, easily on pace for 40-plus. Um, I don't know, for me, ten it's a
0: 10.
5: Yeah, could be. I mean, it's kind of like Panarin, right? Like, you know, I think he might take off if he goes to another team, even if he doesn't stay with the Leafs. So it's going to be a big deal to whatever it is, Frank.
4: Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, one more season on Nylander's deal. He is eligible to sign an extension as of July 1st. That brings us to Tyler Remchuk in our points bet Daily Bet segment. Tyler, how'd you do last night? What's on tap for tonight?
0: Uh, we got the split last night got a nice easy win from the New York Rangers I knew I should have taken the puck line but we missed on our shot prop by one because that's all I ever do is miss shot props by one Uh, so let's get into tonight's action where I'll look to pull off the sweep courtesy of our friends at points bet Canada there is one team I like tonight and it's the Colorado Avalanche almost a similar situation to what the Rangers were in last night where I really like the abs they've won five in a row they've been covering the puck line in their last handful of wins as well and then you look at the Washington Capitals and this is a team that's below 500 in their last 10 games and i'm looking at their last couple of losses 6-2 to washington go back they lost 4-2 to minnesota they lost to philly back-to-back times earlier this month each by two goals when they've been losing They've been losing by two or more, so I like taking Colorado to, and I'm getting aggressive. I learned my lesson from last night. Give me that puck line at a very, very juicy plus 170. Avs on home ice as well. Ton of reasons to like them in this one. And for my shop prop tonight, I am doing the over one and a half parlay with Kirby Doc and Riley Smith. Kirby Doc has hit this in five of his last six games. I love that it's set at one and a half. He can easily throw a couple of pucks on net in one shift, never mind an entire game. Love this Kirby Doc spot. And same thing with Riley Smith. He had hit this in five in a row. He's now missed it in back-to-back. I love him in a bounce-back spot against the Devils tonight. These two combined, as you can see, on points bet, plus 148 on the parlay. I love that spot and the Avs on the puck line getting a little aggressive on a Tuesday night, Frank.
4: I love the aggression on a Tuesday night, and what a Tuesday night it'll be. Rick Tockett making his debut behind the bench for the Vancouver Canucks. You've got Anaheim and Arizona squaring off in the first of two meetings this week that will help, I think, shape the battle for Connor Bedard. And so thanks to Tyler Remchuk, we'll keep an eye on our Points Bet Daily Bet segment. That brings us to Mike McKenna and Garbage Time. Mike, what's caught your eye? What's caught your attention from around the National Hockey League?
5: Well, I am the son of a dentist. And I gotta tell you, every time I see something wacky happen with teeth, I'm always sending a message over to my dad to see if he saw it. And last night, uh, Brock Nelson got his doctorate in dentistry. Look at Dr. Nelson DDS here, ripping a tooth out, little loose, just takes it out. And I love how the trainer comes right over, ready to go. He's got the gloves on, ready to put that in some milk. Well, probably not milk, but at least get it ready for him to hopefully do something and keep the tooth. Cause, this happens in hockey, but it's always gross. And I just can't get over it when someone just yanks it right out. It like Nelson can tell it's loose. It's just like, dude, all right, it's coming out. Boom. See you later. It's, he's, he's, he's better at it than our kids, Frank. My kids are terrified of doing this. He's a grown adult, and it's not even really loose from natural causes. So um, it happens a lot in the sport, and it's just it's disturbing when it does, Frank. But I think we all kind of look and smile at it because it's – one of those goofy time-honored traditions of hockey is just losing your checklets up front.
4: Yeah. I mean, the casual nature with which it comes out is a little bit alarming, but to ask you a question that I don't know the answer to, and I don't know if you do either, is that that actually salvageable once you take the tooth out? Can you get it back in?
5: Yeah, you can. I mean, if you take care of it and you do it pretty much right away, and that's the hard part for an NHL player, right? You got to finish the game. So it's not like you're going to go back and try to implant it uh, and get it to regrow. It's, it's a little bit tough. I'll have to call my dad and give you a heads up tomorrow when we come back for the daily faceoff show.
4: Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I, I just, I, and by the way, did you ever lose any chicklets playing goal?
5: No, I was safe and I wore a mask that fit. Uh, but there have been goalies that lost, and Ben Bishop lost a tooth playing goalie. Um, there's been a handful here and there, but we were generally pretty safe behind the mask.
4: Yeah, maybe the one position where you actually are safe from uh, taking a puck in the teeth. Uh, yep. Thanks to Mike McKenna. That'll do it for this today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks to Jason Greger as well as Tyler Remchuk and our head of production, Alex Lard. We'll be back with you on Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern. You're aware to find us. Until then, enjoy the games and have a great day, everyone.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.
0: Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight